You're listening to the RUF at Western Carolina University podcast. RUF is a campus ministry that exists to reach students for Christ and to equip them to serve Christ, His church, and His world. For more information, follow us on Instagram. We're at RUFATWCU or look us up online at www.ruf.org. Thanks for listening. Good to see everybody tonight. Welcome back. Hope you all had a good spring break. Um, Mine was pretty good. I got to take my girls camping uh, in Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, I've taken them on their own before, but this is the first time I took them together, and they really loved it. They said it was their favorite one, so proud dad moment. Um, But even better, I got to marry Kate and Andrew um, at the very beginning of spring break. So if you're wondering on your handout who this Kate Donnell person is, um, it's Kate May Anderson, now Donnell. So congratulations. Yeah. Uh, this is a terrible segue, but when I got married, um, we, uh, we did the thing where you register for like the pots and pans that you want and like some furniture or just like boring stuff. Um, I threw some tools on there, but didn't get any of them. Um, but, but when we got back from our honeymoon and we went to open all of our presents, uh, we were surprised to find that somebody had given us wind chimes. Not like the tiny ones that are like just tinkle in the corner somewhere, like wind chimes with this deep like bellowing ring when it, it's windy. And not just one set, three sets of wind chimes. And to be clear, there were zero sets of wind chimes on our wedding registry. I don't know if this is a traditional gift. I don't know if this is like something that people customarily do for weddings is get wind chimes. Um, Kate, did you guys get any wind chimes? No? Okay. Well, if you need some, we're swimming in them. Um, We were like, thanks. This is great. Um, Do you have a receipt? Can we exchange this for something else? Maybe, Maybe there's somebody out there who likes it, but it's not us. Can I get something different? Tonight we're talking about singleness, and my guess is that's how most of you feel about singleness, right? This is great. You call it a gift. I'm very appreciative. I would like to exchange it for a relationship, please. Uh, But the truth of the matter is that most of the people in this room are single, right? Even if you're in a dating relationship, you are what the Bible describes as single, right? There's no category in the Bible for like, we're hanging out, or we're talking, or we're texting, or we're dating, or going steady, or whatever people call it, right? There's single, and there's married in the Bible. The question is, what are you going to do with your singleness? What are you supposed to do during this time of your life? Um, for this season of your life, you're single. Maybe for a few more years, you'll be single. Maybe some of you, for the rest of your life, you will be single, What are you supposed to do with that? What direction does the Bible give you for singleness? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you look at your handout, uh, we've got uh, several chunks from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, and they've asked him, hey, like, Jesus has changed everything. Is it still a good idea for us to get married? Uh, And here's what he says. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. 
And then skipping down to 25. Now concerning the betrothed, what we would call engaged. Uh, I have no command from the Lord. Right? Jesus didn't speak explicitly about this during his earthly teaching. But Paul, he says, I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Let's pray, and we'll talk about what that means. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word, which shows us the truth about who you are, who we are, and what you've done to bring us back to yourself. As we talk about singleness tonight, I pray, Father, that you would uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear uh, your truth from this passage of Scripture. Uh, help these students, Father, to embrace their singleness as a gift and free them from seeing it as a burden or a curse. Do this, we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, credit where credit's due. I owe a lot for this sermon to two other REF campus ministers, Brian Sorgan Fry and Sammy Rhodes. Uh, I believe they will both be at our week of summer conference, so if you want to meet these guys, come to summer conference. Um, all right, what does Paul say about singleness in this passage? Um, well, right off the bat, he calls it a gift, right? It's not some Christian lingo or us trying to, like, sweeten the deal of singleness when we talk about the gift of singleness. It comes from the Bible. It comes from Paul himself. If you look again in verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Paul, what are you talking about? Well, to the unmarried and widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. He says, I've been given the gift of singleness, and I've embraced that, and I wish that for a lot of you. But there's this other gift called marriage that's also really good, and I hope that a lot of you get that gift as well. So Paul calls singleness as a gift, and in doing that, it's really like revolutionary, because what Paul is saying that, that it's not marriage or singleness that makes the difference in our Christian life, it's Christ. Right, because the world tells us that, that the goal of your life is romance and sex, right? Like, romance and sex is everything. It is the religion of our world, right? It's what people's hopes are set on. It's what people talk about all the time. It, it's what people think is going to give them ultimate fulfillment, right? Whether it's Dean Martin's, you're nobody till somebody loves you, or Whitney Houston's, I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Like, everybody wants to be loved. And we think that means that we're made for, that the goal of our existence is marriage or sex. Like, it's so pervasive that there are how many seasons of The Bachelor now? Where it's like, let's, let's watch in on these people trying to find fulfillment in these romances. Right? It's so pervasive that I couldn't come up with a Taylor, song, Taylor Swift song for this week. Because all she writes about is relationships. And so I'm going to the Beyonce well with all the single ladies. 
which is a song about nothing. There's no content to it, right? She just says all the single ladies over and over and over and over and over again, right? Because she doesn't know what to do with singleness, right? Even Ariana Grande's song, like, I know pop culture, y'all. Even Ariana Grande's song about how thankful that she is that she's not dating this person anymore is followed immediately by thank you, next, right? Done with that one, not singleness for me, next relationship, right? Our world tells you that romance and sex is everything, and it is the religion of our world. But the church, I think, too, often unhealthily elevates marriage and family, right? This is not to say those aren't good things, right? Paul, in this passage, calls marriage a gift. You read the rest of the New Testament, there's some really good things the Bible has to say about marriage, right? Children are a blessing from the Lord. But I think in the church, sometimes we've bought into the lie that marriage is the only gift that God gives and children are the only blessing that God gives. And that's just not true, right? God has a lot of tools in his toolbox with which to bless his children. And unfortunately, sometimes singles in the church can be viewed as second-rate Christians, right? Second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, right? And then you get married and you find out that, like, okay, married people without kids are also kind of viewed as second-class citizens, and it just goes on and on. But I think both the world and the church in these moments are wrong in the same way. We are not made, like, we are not ultimately made for romance, sex, for marriage, Right? The ultimate for us, the goal of our lives, is Christ, is Jesus. Marriage is not the ultimate for you. Jesus is. And that means that you are no more and no less loved by God as a single person or as a married person. It means you're no more and no less valued by God as a single person or a married person. You're no, you have no more and no less access to all the blessings of God in Christ as a single person or a married person. Right? It, Paul kind of says it doesn't matter, right? He, he says this to, towards the end in verse 35. I say this for your own benefit, right? Like, I want you to be informed, but I'm not laying any restraint on you, right? If you marry, great. If you don't marry, great. It doesn't change who you are in Jesus. It doesn't change what you're for. When believers enjoy and use the gift of singleness as God intends, it shows forth the sufficiency of Jesus' love for us. It tells a watching world and it tells a confused church, I don't need to be married to be whole. I don't need to be with someone to be complete. Christ is enough. As Paul says in verse 7, each has his own gift, one of one kind, one of another. Singleness is a gift of God. Marriage is a gift of God. And because God is good, he cannot give bad gifts. This is what Jesus says about prayer in Matthew chapter 7. When he's given the Sermon on the Mount, he looks at the crowds and he says, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Or Paul in Romans 8 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul says it's impossible for God to give you a gift that's bad because God is good, right? And anything that he gives comes to us through the hands of a crucified Savior. This gift of singleness is because God loves you. The gift of marriage, if you get it, will be because God loves you. There's this great essay uh, by a woman named Paige Benton Brown, 
who was uh, REF campus staff at Vanderbilt way back in the day. It's called Singled Out for Good. I'll put a link to it in GroupMe if somebody reminds me. Um, in the essay, she says this. My younger sister got married two months ago. She's single, by the way. Uh, my younger sister got married two months ago. Or she was single when she wrote this. Not anymore. Don't worry about it. Um, she now has an adoring husband, a beautiful home, a whirlpool bathtub, and all new corning wear. Is God being any less good to me than he is to her? The answer is a resounding no. God will not be less good to me because God cannot be less good to me. It's a cosmic impossibility for God to shortchange any of his children. Your singleness, if you're single tonight, is a gift of a good and wise and loving Heavenly Father. And it's for your good, and it's because he loves you. How is singleness a gift, you're wondering? It's like, great, I still want to exchange it, right? Remember that return policy, that receipt, those wind chimes? I would like to change it out for something else. Here's where Paul says the goodness of the gift of singleness comes in. Uh, Verse 28, Paul says this, Those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. And then he goes on to talk about the anxieties that come with marriage. Because here's a secret that should be pretty obvious. Relationships take time. They take energy. They take thought and intention. And sometimes they produce stress. Any relationship does that. And the closer two people are, the more time and thought and energy and stress you get. And there's no relationship closer than marriage. Right? For example, for a marriage to work, you have to spend time together. Right? It's true of any relationship. You have to spend time together, but it's even more true in marriage, right? You, you spend your lives together. And that's not a burden, right? Like ideally, you marry somebody that you love and enjoy, but it's a fact. When you get married, you have less time for other things. Uh, for example, you'll find this out when you get a job. Uh, you get this thing called vacation time, right? A certain number of weeks off a year. Uh, and before we got married, Trish was a high school Spanish teacher, and she had summers off, and she had vacation time that she could use during the school year. Uh, and she would use that time to travel with her friends, to go on mission trips uh, with her church or with the Christian school she worked for, um, to serve in the community. Like, she hosted a VBS every year at her house for, like, kids in her neighborhood um, because she had the time to do it. Now, for me, 10 years into marriage, uh, my vacation time About half the time is spent taking a child to the doctor, right? Either Sophie goes to the optometrist for her glasses or the boys to the pediatricians, right? Like my time is not my own because I'm married, because there are other people who have a legitimate claim on it. Uh, Marriage, especially once kids come into the picture, take intentionality and planning, right? Doctor's appointments, visiting in-laws, my commitments, Trisha's commitments, all of that has to be planned and navigated. We, um, me and my wife have a shared Google calendar, and that's one of like four calendars that are on each of our phones because there's just so much that has to be planned and navigated, and this kid needs to be here at this time, and that one needs to be picked up there at this time, and it's like, if I didn't have an engineering degree, like, we wouldn't be able to figure it out, right? Because there's so much complexity and so many different plates spinning, right? Kids need to be controlled and coached and counseled, and you have to deal with their interruptions and their needs, and kids are needy, right? Some of you might have been at my house, I think, two years ago for our Christmas party um, when Sophie, like, pitched a little bit of a fit. She got upset, and she was, like, fleeing to her room, and on the way, she slipped on the steps, busted her chin, 
and like was bleeding all over my shoulder. And I was like, okay, party's over. We got to go to the hospital. <laughs> um, right? Kids do that. Marriage, once kids come into the picture, takes intentionality and planning. And marriage brings with it stress. Right? Sometimes, not often, but sometimes because of conflict or miscommunication between me and Trish, but more often it's just the circumstances of life. Kids that won't stay in bed, bills that need to be paid, work that needs to be done, or just the stress of life. Right? When you get married, their stress is your stress and your stress is their stress. And it's great to be able to, to share that burden with someone else, but it's still a load on you. And what Paul says is that when you are single, you are free from all of that. Right? Like, you don't have to worry about all that. Your time is yours to do whatever you want with, right? Like, you are the one that decides what you do with your time. You don't have kids that you have to get to the doctors, right? Um, you, you, all the stress that you experience is from your major, right? Or, or from your parents, but like not from somebody that lives in your house, right? And sleeps in your bed. The freedom of singleness, the goodness of singleness comes in this freedom, right? You are free from the concerns of a husband and wife. Okay, all of that that I said about marriage makes it sound like it's terrible. It's not. It's awesome. I love my wife. I love being married to her. I love our kids. But it's just a fact that marriage comes with all this other stuff too, okay? But Paul says he wants us to be free from that, right? He says, the one who marries his betrothed, it's not in your sheet, it's a little bit later in the passage. The one who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage does even better. Right? The gift of singleness is that you are free from those worldly concerns. The question is, what are you doing with that freedom? Right? You're free from those worldly concerns, you're freed from the needs of a husband or a wife, but you are not free to spend your singleness selfishly on yourself, right? You're not free to spend your, your singleness just doing whatever you want, whenever you want, for whatever reason you want, right? Sometimes we think that, like, singleness is this carte blanche, like, it doesn't matter what you do when you're single. Like, the Christian life really starts when you're married. Like, that's when the fruit of the Spirit start to kick in. Or that's when we really start having to think about maturity and, and gentleness and humility and hospitality and generosity and all those things. No, like the Christian life is the Christian life, whether you're, Christian, whether you're single or married, right? The goodness of the gift of singleness lies in your freedom to love God and love others in radical ways, untethered from the concerns of the world. How are you using that freedom? Pursue maturity now. Right? Because marriage will not automatically make you a different person. Right? The morning, like, you wake up the morning after your wedding and your breath still stinks. Like, you're the same person. Yes, marriage will grow and change you over time, but it's not the only tool that God has to grow and change you. Singleness and relationships with other believers does that as well. Right? Pursue maturity not now. Pursue knowledge of God now. You have so much time. You have so much freedom to read God's word, to, to marinate in it, to read other books about God, to listen to sermons and podcasts and, and all of those things, right? Use that freedom well to learn, uh, learn about God and store up for those times when maybe down the road you are married and you do have kids and you don't have 15 seconds in a row of quiet to put two thoughts together, right? Use your singleness well. Uh, one of my heroes in the faith is a man named John Stott. 
Um, he was a pastor in England for a long time, and he was single all of his life. I think he lived into his 90s. Uh, and he was a pastor all of his life with an Anglican church in London. Um, and he wanted to be married at times. It just never happened. Um, but over his life, the number of missionaries that he trained and churches that he helped plant and books that he wrote and sermons that he preached and people that he counseled and people that he welcomed into his home is staggering. And as he looked back on his life, he says, I, I wouldn't have been able to do like a quarter of this if I had been married. And the legacy that he leaves for the church, because he spent his singleness not for himself, but for the kingdom, it was really, really beautiful. What would it look like for you guys to spend your singleness, not for yourself, but for the kingdom? All right, Andrew, you've talked about singleness being a gift. You've talked about it being good, what we're supposed to do with it. I still don't want it, right? How do I get to the place where I can view my singleness as a gift? What does it mean to be content with singleness? What would change in my life, and what does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Um, what would change if you viewed singleness as a gift? Uh, I think first, uh, one thing that would change is you would stop believing the ridiculous things that people say about singleness, uh, especially the ridiculous things people in the church say about singleness. Those things that like are meant to be consoling, but are just really bad theology. Um, Right? Things like, as soon as you're satisfied with God alone, he'll bring somebody special into your life. Right? Maybe you've heard this, maybe some sweet old lady in your church tried to console you with this after a breakup or something like this. Right? As soon as you're satisfied with God, then he'll bring someone into your life. Guys, God's gifts are never earned by us reaching some satisfactory level of devotion to God. Right? as if it were even possible for you to be fully satisfied with God in this life, right? I have been married for almost 10 years, or 10-year anniversaries in September. I'm not fully satisfied with God, right? Like, I'm a sinner. I struggle. I get distracted. Your singleness is not a curse for not focusing on God enough. And marriage won't be a reward for getting it together and finally being fully satisfied in Him. That's garbage. It's bad theology. God has someone great out there for you. Just trust his timing, right? Number one, that's not a promise that God gives in Scripture. Number two, singleness is not some purgatory where you sit in limbo twiddling your thumbs until God's timing catches up to your desires, right? God gives you the gift of singleness now because you can better love him and others. You can better serve the kingdom. You can better grow as a believer, as a single person today. And someday God may give you the gift of marriage, not because you've earned it, not because you've deserved it, not because like you've been patient enough, but because at that time you will better be able to love God and others. You will be able to better serve the kingdom. You will be able, able to better love God and, and, and grow as a believer, as a married person. Your singleness is not a cross to bear. It's a gift of a good and wise and loving Heavenly Father. If you can learn to see your singleness as a gift, you can start seeing through that kind of garbage, right? Those kind of like meant to be consoling but are really unhelpful statements about your singleness. Now, contentment with singleness and viewing and embracing your singleness as a gift does not mean that you have to somehow convince other people or yourself that you don't desire to be married someday. I feel like I hear some of you doing that. Like, like I'm, I'm just okay being, with single, being single right now. Like you say through gritted teeth as tears stream down your face. Like, 
you don't have to convince yourself or say, like, for me to be content with singleness means that I, I just can't desire marriage ever at all. Um, I have a shop at my house. Many of you have seen it. It's my, my half of the garage. Um, we've got the van next to the house and then some storage. And then my shop, which is also RUF storage and, like, yard tool storage. But, like, that's where my tools are. That's where my shop is. And that's where I build stuff. Um, but I still hope one day that, like, the entire garage is only my shop, right? That there's no more RUF storage or yard storage, but, like, the whole thing can be my shop. Or maybe, like, I rent some space somewhere else and can, like, leave my tools set up all the time and have a dust collection system and just, like, have the shop that I really, really want. But it would be foolish for me to say that because I don't have that shop now, I'm not going to build anything. I'm not going to fix anything. I'm not going to enjoy the blessing of the gift that I have in this season because it's not what I ultimately want, right? Ultimately, I would love to have an awesome shop, but I'm still going to use the shop that I have now and learn and, and, and hopefully bless other people with the things that I get to make and help fix and teach, right? Being content with your singleness means seeing it for the gift that it is and enjoying it and using it for that full devotion to the Lord that it's intended for, even as you hope and pray for another gift from God down the road. It doesn't mean that you don't desire to be married someday. It just means that you trust God that he's good and that it's actually a gift. Again, Paige Brown, the woman from the essay earlier, she says, I want to be married, right? I pray to that end every day. I may meet someone and walk down the aisle in the next couple of years because God is so good to me. I may never have another date and die an old maid at 93 because God is so good to me. Not my will, but his be done. Right? That's being content with your singleness and yet longing for marriage, longing for something else down the road. Um, I, I want to encourage you guys to work to get there, right? Because if you can't view singleness as a gift, if you get stuck on the lie that your singleness is a curse or a burden or that you're somehow incomplete as a single person, that's going to lead you to one of two places and maybe to both of them. Um, it'll lead you first to desperation, right? If singleness is a curse, if it's a burden, then what's the solution? Marriage, right? A relationship. And you get desperate to make that happen, right? And so you will start making really bad decisions, right? Like downloading the most recent dating app and, and, and spending time with people literally based only on what they think of your physical appearance, right? That's pretty foolish. You will do foolish things like lower your standards and date someone who isn't mature or who isn't good for you or who isn't a believer. You will do foolish things like stay in a bad relationship, right? Because even the hell of a bad relationship is better than going back to that cursed land of singleness, right? Or you'll rush towards marriage, thinking that then finally you'll be whole and satisfied and complete, as if any human being other than Jesus could do that for us. Right? If, if you can't get off that my singleness is a burden, it's a curse, it's God's displeasure with me, then it will drive you to desperation, and then it will probably drive you also to doubt. Right? You'll start to doubt God's love for you. You'll doubt his goodness to you. Maybe you'll wonder if he's overlooked you. Right? Like, God, what about me? Don't, don't you notice me? Don't you, don't you see me? But if your singleness is a gift from God for your good then that singleness is not because of some lack of God's goodness to you. It's proof of it, 
right? He gives good gifts to his children. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like, talk to somebody about this. If you're really struggling with seeing your singleness as a gift, and you just, like, can't get past the fact that you think God is holding out on you because you're single, please, talk to me, talk to Kate, talk to Eva, like, talk to a pastor or a counselor, because, like, depression is real, right? And desire to be with other people is real, right? So talk about those things. But isn't this the course of the Christian life? Growing to believe more and more strongly, more and more fully, more and more, like, at the level of instinct, that God actually loves you, that Jesus is actually with you and for you and enough for you. Like, isn't that what the Christian life is? Is growing in the knowledge of the love of God for us in the person of Christ. Again, we know he is because of the cross, because he's already given us not just a gift, but himself. But that's what the Christian life is. And as you do that, as you grow in your conviction that God actually loves you, that Christ is actually with you and for you, you will be able not to endure your singleness, but to enjoy it and spend it in that full devotion to the Lord, loving God and loving others with all of yourself. Uh, close with this thought from Sammy Rhodes, because he's a wordsmith and he says a lot better than I can. Uh, God doesn't promise you marriage. God doesn't promise you singleness. He promises you himself. No matter what he takes you through, whatever trials he might bring, however long they might last and however difficult it might be, Our Lord Jesus Christ says to us, I am with you always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you uh, for the gifts that you give your children, that all of them are good because you are good. And you cannot give us something that isn't good because you are good. Father, I pray that you would uh, help us here tonight see your gifts of marriage and your gifts of singleness as gifts, as good things. Uh, that you would encourage these students and build them up in their walk with you. Help them to use their singleness well, to spend it not tapping their foot and waiting for something else to come along, but, but spend it in love of you and in love of others. Pray, Father, that you would give them the gift of contentment as well, even as students, um, some of them in here, long for marriage, long for a relationship. Pray, Father, that above all, you would settle deep in our hearts, deep in our minds, uh, the truth that you love us, that Christ is with us, and for us, and has promised to be with us always. Do this, we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.